Continuing through our Gospel of Luke during this Lenten season, this time of repentance and reflection, looking at the way and life of our Lord Jesus and his journey to the cross. In our text today, our Lord reminds us that he has come to die for us, and then on the third day, he will accomplish all that he has set out to do. What we see front and center today in our text is the focus of Jesus, the intent, the purpose, the nothing will stop me way of Jesus. He goes to the cross for you and for me, and nothing will stop that. But today, before we examine the text, I'd like to stop and pray again. You know, so often we move from one thing to the next, moment to moment, event to event, and that's life, I guess. But if you'll pause and reflect me for reflect with me for just a second, remembering that there was a lot our Lord Jesus could do. There were many people to heal, many demons to cast out, many sermons he could have given. He had a lot of opportunities along the way to the cross to waver. He could have gone another way, could have changed his mind and just got tired. But his focus, his journey, his purpose never wavered. So I'd like to pray silently, giving thanks to the Lord that he did not waver, giving thanks that he still does not waver, but focuses on us. For the Lord is the one who delivers us, washes us, surrounds us with his peace. What did we just sing? He never fails us, can create in us a clean heart and renew our spirit. He is the God who is near. So just 15 seconds of silent prayer, reflecting on and focusing on what the Lord has come to do for us. Let's do that now silently. years ago I did a Spartan race. I'm not praying by the way right now. And I know looking at me like Spartan race, I don't think so. But this was when I was working out. I was like 200 pounds away from benching 300. And anyway, for those of you who don't know what a Spartan race, dude you're laughing but I'm serious, who uh, don't know what a Spartan race is, they have like uh, 25 to 30 different obstacles you have to do in them. Uh, You got to crawl through mud, climb up a wall, climb up a rope, swing on a rope, climb under a rope, uh, throw a spear, fill a, with, uh, fill a bucket with rocks, walk with it. So when I was told about joining the Spartan race team, I said, nope, I'm out. And then a man named Nathan bought my ticket anyway, so I was not out, I was in. And this whole time leading up to it, I was feeling pretty confident because back then, like I said, I was strong. I was lifting weights. And I was like, it's going to be silly. We were like, oh, Spartans, oh, cool. Found out, no. Turns out that those 25 obstacles that I thought I could easily handle are just a small part of a Spartan race. Turns out what you really do in a Spartan race is you run. You run a lot. See a hill, you run up the hill. Then you run down the hill. Then you see another hill. You run up it, you run down it. See another hill, you go back and forth upon it. Then after the hill, there's a mountain that you run up. So by the time you come to the actual obstacles, you fall off the rope. And then when it's time to fall off the rope, you have to do burpees, 30 of them. 
And about midway through, actually after only the second obstacle that I didn't complete, I decided that 30 burpees was really just however long I thought it might take an actual fit person to do 30 burpees if they had done nothing else. And so I tried to leave, tried to wander off the trail. One of those little Spartan race attenders or whatever they are that like to yell at you hit me with the Willy Wonka, oh, you can't go backwards. The only way out is forward. And I didn't believe him. So long story short, I Andy Bernarded that Spartan race, and I have walked one Spartan race. And I can tell you that confidently, not because I'm hoping that you'll invite me to another Spartan race, because I am busy washing my hair or whatever other excuse I can make up at the time, but because there are obstacles in our text today. In fact, we're going to see four obstacles in a short little text today of only about four verses, four that would try to deter our Lord from his focus. And likewise, I think four obstacles that often get in the way of our focus in following the Lord. So the first obstacle is plans and schemes. Here's the verse, Luke 13, 31. You can flip it. There's going to be a time where I flip the order of the verses. Don't freak out. I'm not lost. I'm just doing that on purpose. But here's 31. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Now, we may be sitting here thinking, oh, that's kind of nice of them warning Jesus like that. Maybe those Pharisees aren't all that bad. This is their way of appearing nice, but really letting Jesus know he needs to be scared. He should be fearing for his life. See, they say this so that they can save face with the people, but they're letting Jesus know the miracles, the teachings, they're cute, but Herod's going to kill you. You remember what happened to your cousin John, don't you? It's as if they got together and said, you know, Jesus isn't scared of us as Pharisees, so what we got to do is we got to tell him that Herod is going to kill him, and then he'll have to hide. And maybe you found yourself doing that, not telling someone that Herod is going to kill them. That would be weird. But ever found yourself planning and scheming to get what you want? Sometimes it's just what we do. In order to prevent someone or someone from doing something that we don't want to happen, we make a plan. We get together, we scheme what we're going to do to stop them or to get what we want instead. We lay it all out, Kevin McAllister style, setting the plans, setting the traps, making sure everything goes just as we plan. Find yourself putting thought into your schemes, planning out the arguments, seeing every side, knowing what we're going to say, even rehearsing the conversations so that they will play out in our favor. And this isn't something new that we just invented on our own. You can go back to the very beginning of the Bible. God is coming. Adam and Eve have just eaten the fruit. They've sinned. And so they make a plan. The plan is to hide. He won't see us if we hide behind the bush right here. Then when he finds them, they have to make a new plan. Well, what am I going to say? Adam's plan is to blame God and say, well, the woman that you made, that's the reason that I sinned. And Eve, her plan was to say, sorry, but... It was actually the snake. But maybe you hear a lot about Adam and Eve and you want a newer story. Maybe the prophet Jonah. You know what he planned to do. God tells him to go one place. He thought, I'm going to hop on a boat and go the opposite way. Because then God will be like, nope, he went the wrong way. I'm going to have to get somebody new. But you know how that ends. Big storm, big whale. How long would it take you to come up with an example from your own life in which you have planned and schemed to make sure that life goes the way you want it to go? 
lots of energy, lots of focus, planning out your steps and your days. So I always find it really interesting when we all pray the Lord's Prayer and we only ask for daily bread. We don't ask for a yearly supply of bread or a lifetime's supply. Daily. Because if we're being honest, it's much easier to trust in our own plans instead of trusting in the Lord's daily providing. How quickly we find ourselves turning from leaning on His way and turning to our own understanding, our own ability to predict and plan for the future. Really what our plans and schemes do is they take away our focus. And so prayer becomes something that God has given us to bring us back into focus. Because in prayer, we give our focus to Him. We take our worries, our fears, our anxieties, our plans and our schemes, and we ask for something more. And so maybe you'll just whisper this prayer with me as it comes up on the screen. Lord Jesus, help us to stop trusting our plans and to trust you first. Lord, give us the strength to let go of our plans and learn to draw near to you. Let us focus on you, rest in you, seek you. Prayer, ask for the plans of the Lord. Ask for his kingdom, his will to be done and not our own. Prayer puts us in the position of trusting his plan, his providence, his care, and his authority. Because you see the other part hiding here in the background of the Pharisees' plan. They use this scheme that is still a popular one. Katie, will you bring up the verse again? See, Jesus hadn't been listening to them. So what do you do when you can't get someone to do what you want them to do? You go to someone who has more authority and say, you know, they said you should do this. For example, um, Dad, Mom said that you're supposed to let me watch whatever I want and I can sit here. Or maybe it's a little bit more painful when it's like, yeah, sorry guys, don't want to do this, but the boss... He's making us. This isn't me. He's telling us that we got to do it. So I guess you got to. Summoning the authority of someone more powerful or more important and using it for our own gain. So I love that Jesus in our next verse reminds them that no one has more authority than God himself. And that these plans of these Pharisees and the plans of man are not going to stop Jesus from his focus. Take a look at the second obstacle, which is usually enemies or people. He replied, go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. Destroys Herod's authority over his own life. Jesus always had a lot of enemies. He still does. No doubt for those of us living in this broken world, we have our fair share of what we might call enemies as well. Maybe people, maybe a disease, maybe forces we can't see or explain. But in the text, it's Herod. And I love that Jesus calls him a fox. 
Is it because he's crafty and deceptive? Is it because he's not a kingly lion like Jesus? Regardless, the text doesn't tell us what Herod actually says, but we probably could guess what it would sound like. Get it? That's a uh, what would the fox say joke. Did anybody get there just like two seconds before I did it? And yet you didn't join me, sir. That's okay. People have enemies, and our enemies have a way of getting in the way of our focus. They have a way of getting under our skin. The things, the obstacles fill our thoughts, whether they're harming and hurting us or making us afraid, they prevent us from our real focus. And if we were left on our own, our enemies would consume us and defeat us. And in these mortal bodies, sometimes the enemy does triumph over the flesh. But our enemies cannot triumph over our spirit. We call that hope, hope in Jesus. That even if we have been abused, harmed, had unspeakable things done to us, even if our enemies are giants or our enemy is incurable. Whether they are in front of us every day, mocking and tormenting us, they do not have the final say over who we are in Jesus, over who we belong to, over, as you just sang, who wins the battle. The Apostle Paul, familiar with this, wrote, What then shall we say in response to these things, all these things that had been happening to Christians? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God alone who justifies who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble? Hardship? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Danger? Sword? Feel free to add whatever you'd like. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in the face of all these things, Paul says, no. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced. I will not have my mind changed. That neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, height nor depth, anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, that is the final say. No enemy wins. They can rage, scream, but we have Jesus. And we have one another. Knowing this and putting your hope in this promise does not spare you from the suffering or from the pain that enemies brings, but it redirects our focus. On Wednesdays at Lent, we're gathering and praying together, especially through the Psalms. And as you look at that text and as you look at the obstacles of your life, I guess the question is whether or not difficulties in the moment 
overpower our past and our future. And if you find yourself fretting and focusing on sorrow and all that's wrong, that leads only to being broken and disheartened. Make it seem like there's just darkness and no way out. And all that remains will be your circumstances and how hard it is. You see fear, you hide because you think you're alone. But the promise is to see God and to cling to the victory that he has. That's to sing and to live and know light even when you are broken. Moving from here to here is one of the hardest things. From knowing it to trusting and believing wholeheartedly what Christ has done for you. That his right hand is upon you. That his light shines no matter how dark it gets. It's in that moment, friends, that you focus and you go back to prayer if you haven't caught the theme yet. Maybe you'll whisper this prayer with me as well. Merciful Jesus, you are my guide, the joy of my heart, the author of my hope, the object of my love. I come seeking refreshment and peace. Show me your mercy. Relieve my fears and anxieties. Deliver me from the power of my enemies and grant me a quiet mind and an expectant heart that by the assurance of your presence, I may learn to abide in you, who is my Lord and my God. Amen. Plans and schemes, enemies, and the third obstacle is ourselves. We get in the way. Look at verse 34. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, stone those who sent you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Sometimes we are our own worst enemies. So it's no surprise that some of the most relatable scripture comes again from Paul in Romans 7. Who says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I don't understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Do you realize how refreshing that is? It's the sin in you. Paul has removed the sin from you because of what Jesus has done. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. I don't do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's the sin living in me that does it. So I find this at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. In my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. All of us broken all of us like sheep gone astray, seeking out a life for ourselves, all of us getting in our own way. 
turning from worship, turning from time and prayer, from the word, from loving. Yes. What a wretched person we have become. But it doesn't end at 24, does it? It says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. When we run away, when we sin, when we ourselves are responsible for putting Jesus on the cross, even then, he chooses us. No matter what we have done, are doing, or will do, Jesus chooses the cross for us. Chosen us. Died and risen for us. Loves us unconditionally. That is the gospel message. There is no other reason to be here if you do not cling to that. That in Jesus, we don't get what we deserve. Instead, we get grace upon grace already given. Mercy and life and love. And out of that love that has been freely given to us, we have a responsibility to one another to encourage each other, to remind each other of this message that we have. So that we can look confidently in that mirror and realize that the Lord has gathered all of us to himself on the cross. That by his mercy you find value and worth. He does not look at you and say, you are not good enough yet. He says, you are mine and I love you now. So this week, I want you to pray also for others. Three times we prayed for ourselves. But I want you to pray with and for your spouse before they leave for work this week. I want you to take them by the hands and pray for them. I want you to find a friend and send them a text or grab them by the hand and say, I'm praying for you. If you're going to text them, type it out and send it to them. I want you, before you put your children to sleep, to grab their hands and pray for them. Because before he went to the cross, sitting in a room, he looked around at his disciples and prayed specifically for them. Because the final obstacle is death. In any case, Jesus says, I will press on today, tomorrow, and the next day. For no prophet dies outside of Jerusalem. He has but one focus. Along the way, he will heal, he will cast out. He will not stop until he says, it is finished. Then he will rise and continue to intercede, continue to be present with us, to continue to seek us out today, tomorrow, and the next day. Because it is Jesus who removes and destroys the obstacles from your life. That is the power of the cross. No self-help, friends. Christ in you. Jesus, the way, the true, the life the one who allows you to stand up and shout, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where's your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is a law. But thanks be to God. He has given you the victory through Jesus Christ. Whatever would distract you, whether that be mountains, enemies, your own voice in your head, you find yourself distracted from all, turn to God in prayer and praise. For you are his and he is yours. Let's stand together and 
through prayer and praise. Sing the next one.